It's 5.30 p.m. Grab your drink, grab a beer. Maybe you need something stronger, maybe after last night. And let's start this United Happy Hour. This is United Happy Hour presented by the Elite Football Show. I'm Pauly Questel. I'm joined by Joe, who, uh, let's let's be honest, maybe today's just the United Hour. I don't know if we're too happy. Uh, I, I think the best way to start this off is that last night when uh, when Big Brother Boss Hater started up the masterclass with, um, with Rob Blanchett, they got this comment from uh, Ben McManus. I don't even know what to say anymore. How are we back here again? And I think that's the best question to ask. Uh, what do you say, Joe? Yeah, we are, aren't we? It's perpetual emotion with United. I mean, it seems to be what we call rinse and repeat, isn't it? We, 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 we have this time when we feel like under different managers, we've cracked it. We're, we're going the right way. We're going in the right direction. Things are going well. And then all of a sudden, uh, we're back here again. And I mean, the Solskjaer reign, to be fair, whether you like him or you don't, has sort of encapsulated that more than anything, I think, hasn't it? In terms of, look at just the pattern of his results. I mean, obviously, when he came in, it was amazing. I think 11 games, his first 11 games unbeaten, wasn't it? Something like that, cracking run to start. Then we went into that real low period just after he got the job on a permanent basis where the players seemed to down tools for the end of the season. And then we got to a stage where we we had another sort of poor start to the season uh, last season, but then we went on another incredible run that obviously saw us get to the top four. And it's just an absolute roller coaster of emotions. And we seem to be back at square one looking like we might be set for a change again. Yeah. And to, I mean, to answer Ben's question, how did we get here? The answer is actually really simple. It's the board, the ownership and the board. And, you know, everything that we're doing right now, if, you know, any change is always so sure the problem. He might certainly be a problem. It's certainly looking that way right now. He is not the problem. And uh, please give us your comments. Give us your thoughts. Let's have a discussion about this. Let's keep it. Um, we're not reacting, you know, we've taken the, the reason that we're here on Thursday instead of Wednesday is we've taken the emotion out of it. We have, we have processed this match. We've had about 22 hours to process and we can get through with everything. So let's talk about the story. We all know what the story is today um, in terms of the club, but it's more about what every angle is. And some of them are just beyond ridiculous. So Joe, let's, Take a look at what's happening on social media today. Yeah, yeah, bang it up. So, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me on social media, like you say today, is this whole idea of, of Poch getting the job. But, but aside from that, it's just the hypocrisy amongst fans, you know, this idea that um, things will be different if a, if a manager changes. You know, the, the way we flip, I would imagine, from from week to week about who we think 
should be in charge, whether it should be Ollie in, whether it should be Ollie out. I mean, first of all, Paulie, where do you stand on this? It's it's not so much the, you know, like I've always said, there are very valid questions to be asked of Solskjaer. And the last two weeks, those questions have been amplified even more. My, my whole thing is you, you guys got to stay consistent with, with your things. Like everybody all of a sudden celebrating PSG and, and, and RB Leipzig. And then a week later, you're, you're throwing out, oh, we, we, look, we look terrible and we're never going to win a game again. Like, like come on, guys. Let's, let's, one has at this point, because as, as Hader put it on Red Devil's Talk a couple weeks ago, he put it so eloquently, is that we are consistently inconsistent. And if we are going to be consistently inconsistent, then what you know is one result has no bearing on the next. Um, you know, 6-1, we lose to Tottenham and we come back, we beat Newcastle 4-1. Okay, it's Newcastle, but then we go and beat and beat PSG. Um, then we lay an egg against Chelsea and then we demolish RB Leipzig. Like there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason. So like, let's, let's stop the, the doom and gloom, you know, like, we said it when uh, they released the team sheet against Chelsea and it's, oh my God, Shaw, Lindelof, Maguire against Werner and Havertz, we're going to get demolished. And we didn't. In fact, whenever we change our defense, with the exception of against PSG when we had to by necessity, um, whenever we change our defense, it usually ends up going pretty poorly for us. And, you, you know, stay consistent with your, with, your, with your takes here. Over the summer when people were saying, Oh, Jaden Sancho is going to come down to the wire. Like, okay, fine. So two days later, don't be like, well, ob well, we haven't made any progress on that deal. So it's obviously not going to happen. Like if you say it's going to come down to the wire, then expect it to come down to the wire. And now you lose to Istanbul and all of a sudden everybody's like, well, we, we basically threw away the group and it's possible that we did because we are in the group of death, but if you're going to sit here and say, oh, this is classic Solskjaer and, and he knows how to set up the team for the big games, but he can't beat the little teams, then, and then after you lose to a little team, say, well, we still have PSG and RB Leipzig to go. Like, hello, those are the teams that you could beat. Like, so like, why are you freaking out? Now, I'm not saying that you're automatically going to beat them, but like, those are the games that you should now have more faith in. You should be more worried that like, we still have a home game against Istanbul. But um, the, the actual worry about PSG and, and Leipzig, like, come on guys, stay consistent. Keep making comments. I see them. We will get to them. Joe, tell me what else we got. Yeah, Paulie, look, uh, just, just quickly on that before we move on, you know, I think it's just the blame culture that we have going around at the moment on social media. Everyone's looking for someone to blame. And unless you've got someone to blame, then you can't, no one can seem to make sense of it. I think you have to dig deeper and you have to be open-minded and appreciate that, look, there's issues on both, all sides here. There's issues, obviously, with the board. We know that. There's issues with the manager. And, you know, there's obviously issues with the players. So let's not forget that. Uh, moving on, we, we're looking at, you know, this idea that, Let's not forget what a brilliant job Solskjaer's done at his time here. He's got us from A to B, um, Paulie. He's done He's done really well with that, I think, and he should be applauded for that. I think whatever happens to him between now and, and his time when it ends at the club, I think you can say largely it's been a success. He's changed a lot of things at the club for the better. Um, but, you know, we need someone now who can take us to that next step. And, you know, what do you think that's Solskjaer? 
Well, my question is, what is what is step C? Like, this is something we've all, a lot of us have this feeling of, okay, Solskjaer is the guy to take us from, is Solskjaer the guy before the guy? And what is step C? Like, when Solskjaer, like, laid out his plan, his three-year plan, what, you know, what is after year two? Because I got news for you. It wasn't, we're going to be competing for titles after two years. It wasn't after one year to make the Champions League and in year two, we're going to be competing for titles. That's not what it was. And the question is also, did he, was he given the tools to do that? All right. So you go back to last season and you look at what he, what he did and what, um, look at the three signings that he made last summer. He brought a signing for now, a signing for now that is not fully finished um, and will get better. So that's Harry Maguire. Then it's Aaron Juan Bissaka, who is, he's going to help your defense now. He is not the, the complete right back yet. He still can't attack, but he's 21. He's going to develop. And then he bought a signing for the future, a project, Dan James. And he did okay with that. And in the winter, he said, I need another signing for now. And that's Bruno Fernandez. And I need a backup striker, which was an immediate signing for now, which was Odi Nigalo. Yeah. And then it, and, and his team played well. And at the, uh, and at the end of the season, in the second half of the season, he recognized that there are problems in the squad. Like as well as we're playing, he said, we still don't have a right winger. You know, Mason Greenwood is, is not that right winger. He is a, he's a finisher. He's not a right. Whenever he struggles in a game and you pointed out the responses on Twitter, I'll always get her. Well, he's not a right winger and you're right. He's not. So you can't expect him to, um, you can't expect him to consistently perform all the, things that a right winger would need to do. So we need one because Dan James can't play there either. And Juan Mata, sometimes he's there and sometimes, you know, it's hit or miss with him. Yeah. What else do we need? He, so, you know, that's why number one on my list was Jaden Sancho. And then you look at what else do we need? Well, Marcus Rashford, people don't want to talk about this. Marcus Rashford disappears in games against teams that sit deep. He is, a player who is great at getting in behind, running into space, and will kill you with that. Not great against teams that sit deep. So what was number two on Solskjaer's wish list? Jack Grealish. Because Jack Grealish can provide you that creativity. From He's more of a creator facilitator than Rashford is, which is also in Project Restart. You know, Solskjaer pushed Luke Shaw up further and had Rashford playing a little bit deeper in, in a more facilitator role. Like that would suit Jack Grealish so well, but you didn't get him so, and you didn't get a right winger. So, you know, you got Donny Van de Beek, who's a great, who's a player for now and a player for later. You got Edison Kamani, who, you know, can help you now. Did he, you, you still have a black hole at right wing. And that's the thing. Like, Maybe, maybe Mauricio Pochettino can get more out of this squad. And like, I think, Mar I think the world of Mauricio Pochettino, I think he's a great manager. I think he can, he, he'd be very successful out of here. That doesn't change the fact that there's still a black hole at right wing. And when everybody says, well, what's the best team? It's hard to know that because some, like, you know, Solstar's trying to hide the fact that he doesn't have a right winger. Mason Greenwood isn't playing poorly this year, but teams have figured out how to stop him. You know, they're putting four, when he gets the ball near the box, they're putting four guys on him. And until he develops the passing ability to hit the, I mean, there are times they're just leaving Rashford open because Greenwood has the ball. And until he develops the ability to make that killer pass, 
and make them pay for overloading him, they're going to keep doing that. And that's something that, you know, any manager is going to, any manager that comes in right now will have these same issues to deal yeah. with the holes in the squad what do you what do you think yeah mercifully paulie I, look i hate doing this I'll, look comparing ollie to the likes of pep guardiola jürgen klopp i think we've seen especially last season with manchester city every manager if they haven't got the players that they need find it very difficult to hide that and, and cover up from that look it was evident last year that City really, really struggled without, you know, Laporte being fit. And you can't, it's it's difficult to sort of hide that with 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 um when you haven't got the players there. And I think Solskjaer's doing that. Right wing is a position that we need. We can't play a formation without it, really. We need it in some way. So yeah, it, it's it's really difficult. I think every manager struggles. I think what people want to see though is an identity and the work, what we're trying to do even with or without these players. And I think that's where people are starting to get a little bit tired with Oli because they're just not seeing where he's wanting to go with this team. Do you agree with that? I, there are times where you, you do see it. Like, there are times where you see it. Like I said yesterday at the beginning of the game, it was, I said this on Red Devil's Talk last night, you saw it. Like, Bruno got the ball in a certain position and... Rashford would go to this place. Bruno would play him that ball. And then, you know, first touch Rashford would try to get it into Martial and it just, it wouldn't come off. And at one point, Maguire had the ball and Shaw makes a run down the left side. He's open. Maguire passes in the ball. It's just, the pass was off. And there, you, you also need to find balance in your squad. Like Mourinho and certainly Van Gaal, everything was rigid and structured and patterns when, when the ball is at point A, you do X. And when the ball is at point B, you do Y. And it becomes, you need to balance between rigid and pattern and structure and creativity. And Bruno is like the ultimate creative guy. He doesn't play within structure at all. He's a big, he's a big uh, freedom guy. He, he roams all over the pitch. Sometimes that's enough and sometimes it's not enough. So you also have Juan Mata who helps him out when United need to progress the ball. Mata also roams all over the pitch and that makes him good. Yeah. But yesterday, you know, they add Donny Van de Beek to the, to the fold and now you have three guys who like to play with freedom and move around and that just looked like it was too much. And all of a sudden, yeah, it's hard to know what you're supposed to do because, or what they're supposed to accomplish because your right wing is all the way on the left and your right midfielder is with him on the left. And, and that's because you want these guys to have freedom because they have such high IQs, but sometimes that could be too much. So maybe it's Van de Beek and Mata can play together. Van de Beek and Bruno can play together. Bruno and Mata can play together. The three of them cannot play together. That's, you know, that's a very strong possibility. I will say, Paulie, just quickly before we move on, on this right-wing situation, I, I do sympathise a little bit because he didn't get Sancho, but what I will say is is I think he's got two or three players in that squad that I think he could have tried out there on a more regular basis for a more consistent period of time before now. I think we could have... Well, we've seen a little bit of Bruno being pushed out there. That didn't really work, to be fair. But again, we haven't seen it for a sustainable period of time. But also, we, we, you suggested, I think, second game of the season playing Donny van der Beek there. You know, we haven't seen it. You know, I just think there is a little bit more I think about it. He could have 
tried to experiment a bit more there. But look, let's get to some of the comments, Paulie, because there's some great ones coming in. We've got here, thoughts on Rashford on the right wing. We've tried everything possible. Uh, why not try this out? Paulie, you've touched on this. I mean, every time him or Martial seem to be put out on the right as a formation, they just want to come to the left all the time. They don't want to stick out there. When Mata plays on the right, he naturally drifts inside. We literally have no one that wants to play there, do we? And, you know, I'm hearing people say, I want to ask you about this, Paulie. I'm hearing people say, well, you know, lesser managers out there, the likes of Hassan Hootel and Bielsa are getting... The be getting best, getting the best out of lesser players than we've got. But I would argue, is the right winger for Leeds, who I think is Helder Costa, uh, is he a worse? Is he a worse player than Dan James? He's probably a better player than Dan James, to be fair. So uh, you know, are the have these managers got worse players than we have, or or what? Just because we're Man United doesn't mean to say we have the best players right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Th I Asked me this two weeks ago, and I would have told you we have seen ample evidence of Marcus Rashford on the right side, and it doesn't work. We saw it a lot playing in the right of a two when Solskjaer first took over, when United would play a diamond, when he'd play with Lukaku. When once injuries hit and we had to throw everything around, we saw it a lot, um, and it wasn't really good. It's not how you get the best out of Marcus Rashford. Yeah. Having said that, against PSG, he played very well. Or, you know, he had some bad decisions, but that wasn't... He made bad decisions on the ball, but that had nothing to do with his position. Um, and he did score that goal. And then, you know, against RB Leipzig, he came off the bench and just completely exploited all that space that was left on the right side. And it was great. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, maybe there, there is an option here. But then now you look at it like, who do you play on the left wing? Because Martial is not really a left winger. He's maybe not the center forward that you want him to be, but he's also not really a left winger. He's not someone, you know, if, if you're going to have like what Solskjaer likes to do is have Martial playing as this false nine and having Rashford and some, you know, and when Dan James was there running into the space behind him. Yeah. So Martial doesn't really like to run in behind. It's he's weird. He has the pace to do it. And if you put a like, but he likes to dribble at people. And so he doesn't like to run behind people. He likes to dribble at them. So I don't think he belongs. You know, if you want Cavani in there to play this false nine, will Martial be the one running behind him? I don't know. Um, God, I am sorry about the visual here. The sun is like coming through one sliver in my window and it's driving yeah, me nuts. States, mate. If, if you're listening, if you're listening to this later on, on Apple or Spotify, thank you for supporting us, but you are missing a hilarious visual right now. <laughs> um, so Martial doesn't like, will Martial run in behind like that? Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. just have Cavani in the middle waiting for service, like the classic number nine, Martial's not really your winger. That'll get you that you want Martial in the middle because when he gets shots in the, in the middle of the field, he puts them in the net. So, oh. yeah, Rashford can. I, I actually have more optimism that Rashford can work as the number nine, as the right winger these days. But then, what do you do on the left wing? Uh, maybe, maybe you say Van de Beek can't do that Juan Mata thing from the right, but maybe he can do it from the left, and you play him there. But Paulie, let me just ask, let me just take it back again, and just ask you this again. Like you watch a lot of Premier League football, you know. There is a lot of positions for me where United haven't got the best in class anymore. You know what I mean? Like we, you, you know, that you could argue that the likes of Southampton have got 
better players in certain positions than we have, which is which is really concerning. But I think it's a, a, it's an indictment of where we are at the moment. I mean, what I mean, yes, I, I agree. You know, people at Arsenal Club doing a fantastic job at Southampton. Bielsa's, you know, we know what he does, and he's done a great job at Leeds. But they've actually got some really decent players. Well, and actually. Dare I say it? Better than probably some of our squad players. I mean, what do you think about that? It, it's a tough one. Like, look, you you want to you want to look like um, Mark say I'm not expecting times. We're expecting consistency, and and I I get that too, and I expect it also. And some of that comes down to the manager. Like when you you know we look at it, at a team that is trying to break down a low block. You got to move the ball around quickly, and we have players that unfortunately are not all around players. We have play, we have some players that are much better in attack and we have some players that are much better defensively and some players that can maybe that in theory should be able to do both. Bruno should be able to do both. Pogba should be able to do both. Van de Beek should be able to do both. Right now they're not, but like McTominay, Fred, they, they're midfielders that can do the defensive aspect, but they struggle. And that's on the manager if you put them out there in a game that you know we need to pass the ball quickly and make incisive passes. If you do that against those, if you use those players against those teams, you're not going to, to uh, find any success. And, and their efforts are, are uh, the effort level is, is hard. It's, it's, it's confusing. Like I said last night, it doesn't check out to me that all of a sudden you'd win 5-0 against Leipzig and the players would bail on the on the coach. And if and if the players, you look or you hear like Roy Keane and, and other pundits talking about the lack of leadership in this team. And if if that seems to be like it's a big problem, if the players can't rally themselves right now to play for a manager that they all like, then if you change the manager, who's to say that the players are going to rally themselves again this year yeah, for no. for him? Look, I just want to say, in response to some of the comments, I'm not in any doubt. I'm not questioning the likes of Hassan Hootel and Bielsa. They are, I know they're great coaches. I, In fact, to be honest with you, Hassan Hootel, after he lost, I think, was it 9-0 to uh, Leicester um, last season? You know, I, I wasn't in any doubt that Southampton should stick with him. I do see what he's trying to do. And actually, I do like the way the energy in which Southampton play. I think they came to Old Trafford towards the end of last season and, and were brilliant as well. Look, no... No, no questions about that, and they probably are, to be fair, better coaches than Ollie. And look, this is where I'm going to come to you, Paulie, because then if they are better coaches than Ollie, has he has he been given enough to be able to get to to sort of cover his coaching deficiencies and get United to where they need to be? Going back to the topic here, which is has he had the tools to succeed? The the question of are there better coaches, like you don't need to be the best coach to be a good manager. And and right now the biggest issue I have is the backroom staff. Like Mick Phelan, that's the best thing you could do is, is make a change there. Karen McKenna's the tactics guy. So um like when when we when we say that Ollie put out a, a tactical masterclass against City last year, against PSG this year. That that's probably coming a lot from Karen McKenna. Um, like, I'm going to ask you this question: What name me the the top three attributes of Sir Alex Ferguson? 
Well, for me, it was his relentlessness in terms of every season, just, you know, going again, going again. You know, we've seen how difficult it is to retain titles. You know, that was probably his biggest strength for me. His ruthlessness, you know, decision-making, you know, when players needed to go or players needed to come in, they somehow went and they came in. He got what he wanted. And just, you know, his man management skills. And whenever I have this conversation about manager and coach, the best example for me is Steve McLaren. Now, if you listen to people talk about Steve McLaren, he is a fantastic on-the-training-field coach. You know, really, really great stuff, ahead of his time. But we've seen him in a number of managerial roles, including the national team. And it just hasn't worked out because it is a lot different being a manager to being a coach, I think, in terms of the way you have to deal with individuals and players. Yeah, so notice the thing you didn't say to me was tactics, coaching, like making the players better. Yeah. Because he, he, he had tactically. Yeah, tactically, he was only as good as his number two. What to me, the three things that that are the his man management, um, his longevity. The longevity is the, the ability to adapt, the ability to see this is where the league is going, this is what I need. And and as as Hader makes this comment, like um Changing it when he knew it was getting stale. It wasn't just that it was getting stale. It was, I need to go in a different direction. And the last thing, the most important thing was his hunger and the ability to transfer that hunger down to his players. And when you didn't have that hunger, you were no longer here. So he had his core group of Neville and Skulls and, and Giggs, and they were able to transfer that that hunger to the other players and uh, you know Patrice ever had that and Vidic had that when he arrived and and if you didn't have that then he used you for three or four years and then you were gone. Yeah. So you don't need to so like when people say like all right like well tactically Ali's not there like you don't need to have that but you have to have something else that that makes up for it. Like Jose Mourinho's not a good man manager, but he he has other qualities that make him that make him good. Um you know the reports out of Man City right now, when Arteta left, because Arteta was the man manager there, and, and City could be running into issues there. Always a great man manager. Um, does he have that hunger? Like, has he been able to pass down that hunger? It doesn't seem like it. Um, his ability to adapt, he, he has the ability to adapt. I mean, you, you saw him, the way he set up his team last year, he wanted to play a certain way. Um, Pogba goes down. He changed his team to accommodate the fact that he has Andreas Pereira and everything. Um, he he stopped pressing to not to not uh, tire his team out. Then when he did get Pogba and Bruno, he changed his team again. So he has the ability to adapt. But if you're not going to have it tactically, then you need your you need a, an assistant coach who does to mask that deficiency. And if you're not going to be able to pass down that hunger, then you need to be able to do something else at the top level to mask that. And that's, you know, if it takes three things right now, you can only say he has two. Uh, yeah, but do you think this is a worrying thing, Paulie? Because do you think that Ollie sees this? Do you think Ollie's looking, thinking, I don't think Michael's helping me enough here. I don't think he's good enough. I, certainly someone like Mike Phelan, who was a bit of a legend at the club, played at the club, obviously won a lot as a coach there. And Kieran McKenna, is he brave enough to say to these guys, look, guys, I, I need some extra help here. I don't think you are giving me what you need. Or is it more worrying that Solskjaer actually thinks that these guys are, are helping him right now and, and that this is what he needs? 
yeah, so this question goes goes right along with this with this comment from Hater, which and thank you guys all for the comments. Please jump in into the conversation. I'm, I'm, I am trying to keep up with them as best as I can. Um, but in the way that like Michael Carrick has made, you know, Michael Carrick works individually with the players and he has made the players better. You know, Fred was God awful his first season and he is a completely new player now. I mean, I'm maybe not a completely new player, but he's, it's night and day, the difference in quality from Fred now till two years ago. Scott McTominay, as much as, as, as much as he has his deficiencies, is a much better player now than he was two years ago. Marcus Rashford, better player now. Martial went from the left wing to center forward, was a much better player uh, in the second half of the season. Like, okay, these guys didn't become, you know, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, go back to the first half of last season and watch a game, and you will see um, Wan-Bissaka on the ball, terrible. And if you think he's bad now, go back and watch last season because it's way worse. So these guys aren't becoming world-class, but there's, there's progress. If you were to go back and, and look at a game from last November or October, you'd be like, wow, Juan Basaka is much better on the ball. Does he have a ways to go? Yes, but he's better. And if you look at his numbers from the second half of the season, it's night and day different between Juan Basaka last year and, and, or, first half of last year and second half. And I mean, he's already got a goal this year. Luke Shaw's got, got a, like has an assist. No player has created more shots for United over their last five games than Luke Shaw. And that's, that's not to say that they're, you know, that's an indictment on, on United because Shaw's doing the same level of, you know, like he's, he's actually producing a little bit more, but he's producing about the amount that you would want your left back to produce. It's that you should your left back shouldn't be the one creating all the shots. It's he should be creating as many shots as he is. And your players like Rashford and Bruno and Pogba, they should be creating more. Um, so Ollie and his coaching staff are definitely improving the players. The question is, are they improving them within the system and to that regard? And that's a that, that's a very legitimate legitimate question. Um, I I will say in response to Hasnell, I think Hasnell is great, and I would love him at United. But like, let's not kid ourselves. There is a difference between managing a small club with players who haven't you know have no you know have come from nothing and are eager to learn and are eager to work. And when you are the underdog, when when you can look at at a Southampton team and say look, we can't go skill for skill with these guys. You, our best chance of success is we all have to work into this system and, and buy it. And like, it's not going to work every week, but this is the way to punch above our, our weight class. There's a difference between that and, you know, being like, we have, you know, they're going to be strictly disciplined and organized. You need to use your class as a player to break them down. It, it's, it, there's a different way of managing these guys, you know, like Rashford, Bruno, Pogba, like these guys have played in world cups and everything. Like you, know, you have to, you have to, they have different egos than the players at Southampton or West Brom or, or clubs in that part of the table. So it's, it's not to say that not to take anything away from what Hassan Hoodle is doing, but it is a different job. 
And I would and I would just question as well whether he could get our squad, our players into buying into the way he wants to play. I remember Solskjaer saying one of the first things he said when he got the job is Man United should never be outrun by any team. You know, they should never be outworked, outrun. You should always cover the most distance in every game. Look, Paul, you're a stats man. Is there evidence out there to suggest that Man United are one of the most hard-working team. Are they covering some of the most distances in the Premier League? I, I'm not seeing it myself, and I certainly, when I do the eye test and I look at it, I'm not seeing that from some of our players. I don't see our players doing do, playing enough of a high-pressing game. Yes, we press, and we do it better probably than we used to, but not to the standard of which someone like a Hassan Hootel would probably want. We We need... It's not a matter of are we running more or less or working harder. We, we are right in the middle of the league when it comes to pressing. And that's by design. Like, we've all, been, we've all spoken about this during the season or at the beginning of the season. If our, if our defense lacks um, pace, you don't want to stretch. You don't want to get stretched out. You don't want to give teams a, the ability to run. So, like, if you press them hard from the front, and they break the press. Now they're running at your defenders, and that's not a situation that we want. And so what we do is we we have a combination of how often we press and we mix it up. So sometimes we will sit. We like to. We basically like to do a what what they call in basketball a half court trap, which is they let you, you they let you get to half court and then they put the pressure on you. And that's what we do because what what we're trying to do is open up space behind you so we can attack that space because. That's where we're at our best. So we'll let you carry the ball up to midfield. And then we'll start pressing you relentlessly in the middle third. Not so much in the attacking third. But occasionally we will. And sometimes we'll half-ass press you. And sometimes we'll go full-on to press you. And the fact that we change it up means you don't know what what you're going to get. And it makes us far more effective at it. But in terms of how often we press... Uh, we're in the middle of the league about that. We're in the middle of the league in how um, uh, we're in the middle of the league in how often we do it from the front, but it's effective. Like we're we're towards the top of the league in in how effective it is. It's the next step is, you know, you have to turn that into a chance. Like pressing and winning the ball back does nothing if if you're Marcus Rashford and you and you press and you press a guy on the wing and win the ball back and turn and give it to Matic who, or, you know, give it to Fred who in turn plays it square to McTominay. You know what? Nothing's going to come of that. The, the purpose yeah. is, is, is within those. That's what they always say. Like the reason to press them is because you're not in your defensive shape. So when you get the ball, the first five seconds are key. That's when you got to hit them. And that is where we yeah. really struggle. And also, obviously, Paulie, the higher you press and the higher you can win the ball up, the less distance you've got to get the ball from there to the goal, obviously, which obviously, percentage-wise, gives you more of a chance. And, you know, Hayden makes a good point here. Possible front three press, but a midfield don't press with the same ferocity. It's too disjointed. And also, Hayden, I noticed in an earlier comment, said that Liverpool pressed the hardest out of any team. And he's absolutely spot on. And you look at when Man City won the back-to-back titles, you know, the way that they were so... Relentless went out of possession, winning the ball back, the energy in which did it with Pets Barcelona team as well. My point is, is though, Paulie, like, could, could Martial do the role of a Firmino? You know, 
how many of these United players would fit the, that sort of philosophy and style? Could you see Paul Pogba working as hard as Jordan Henderson? Could you see Matic being able to do what Fabinho does for Klopp, you know, in that style of play? And this is what I'm saying. Have we got the players with the with the mentality and the will and the ability to, to pull that off and play? I mean, I want to see us play a high-intensity, high-press. I would not love anything. I'd love us. God, I hate saying it. Love us to play like Liverpool, but have we got the personnel to do it? Yes and no. Um, you know, and to to go to Hater's comment here that the midfield don't press with the same ferocity, and that's something because sometimes it's sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And if you go back, and that requires everybody to be on the same page. And sometimes this year, like you've seen, it's it's usually Bruno who spearheads it, and sometimes he goes when the rest of the team isn't ready. And then he's the only one pressing. And then that ruins everything. And, um, you know, and sometimes, so sometimes the forwards go and the midfield's not ready. And if you go back to the, to the city, Dar the Derby and city at home in March last season, we did this to perfection. Sometimes we pressed, sometimes we didn't. And we did do it with the midfield in cohesion and it worked beautifully. That's the problem with this season is everything is just so disjointed. And, and that means that there's no cohesion and it, it ruins it. Now, Hader brought it up in another, in another comment, uh, the idea that a player that top players won't press is a bit ridiculous. And it is because Pep's system is entirely based on pressing and like the best players in the world have bought in, you know, played it under Pep. Um, but again, like, are, are you fast enough? Like, do you worry that, that Pogba maybe at, 28 years old has lost half a step. And when you pair him next to Matic, um, is he fast enough? Like, is Matic fast enough to do the press? And that's that's where it is. Is we have a bunch of players who could do half the job. Yeah. McTominay and Fred are fantastic at pressing. McTominay a little bit too much. He gets sucked out of position a little too often, but they're fantastic at it. But then they get the ball and they don't have the passing ability to make you pay for it. You know, like it, it, it's the, the first goal yesterday by Istanbul, like you didn't have to be a good passer to pick out Dembada. You just had to hit it into space. And that's part of why McTominay was so good against PSG was he just had to hit it into space and someone would get it, but it also disjointed the attack. So like we have got, so some of our players would are better from the press. And, you know, when Pogba was at his best last year, it was because the front five, the first and, and especially in the first five games, maybe he wasn't at his best the first five games against Chelsea and Leicester, or he didn't play Leicester, but um, Chelsea, Wolves, Southampton. It was like the front five and, and your fullbacks would press and then players would cough the ball up and that's where Pogba was. So he'd recover. And it's the same thing with Matic. It's the front five would press, Matic would be the one to recover. And that's why you want Pogba because... If he's the one to recover, it's one pass, boom, you're you're good. Yeah. Um, so any manager that came in right now would have to look at the team and say, okay, well, can Martial do this? And I, and I think Martial can. He actually presses more than people think. Martial and Pogba just don't look like they're exerting energy when they are, and it bothers the hell out of people. It may, yeah. you know, that's why everybody thinks they're lazy, but they do. Um, they do work hard. And about it though, is it Paul? If you're going to be a good pressing team, yeah, that's the key word team. You have to do it as a team. You can't 
do it half-heartedly. You look at that Liverpool front three, when Firmino goes, they all, Mane, Salah go, they all go. The midfield come up as well. And to give some kudos to Pochettino, I remember when he was Tottenham manager, you know, did some analysis on, you know, Kane's position and how that's key for the press as well. Because when Kane went, the whole rest of the team moved up the pitch. So if Kane went 10 yards further forward, the whole team moved 10 yards. And it was just, they picked a game. I can't remember what game it was. It was one game out of 100, you know. And But they analysed it and it was just like, it was beautiful, the movement. Every time Kane went, the whole team moved with him. When Kane dropped back, it was almost as if Kane had got the rest of the team on a leash, if you know what I mean. It, it was it was quite, it was rhythmical to watch it and really nice to watch. And, you know, if we get something like that, and, you know, that sort of brings us nicely into the next topic, Paulie, that we want to go on to. We're getting so many comments coming in about Pochettino's going to be here soon. Pochettino is next. Pochettino will do this with the players. He'll do that with the players. He'll have his playing as a better team. You know, who knows right now? But look, Paulie, we can't get away from the news. Um, it looks like Oli is living on borrowed time a little bit. We've seen the vote of, well, vote of confidence today. I call it the dreaded vote of confidence, vote of no confidence, maybe. You know, you know, if Poch comes in here now, I suppose the question is to ask, do you see in imminent change? Do you see this new manager bounce that we normally see with new managers? Is that going to happen? Or do you think that is actually his introduction to the team might be more difficult than that and it might not be as straightforward? I don't know if we'd get the new manager bounce because the players, it's not like the players have quit on Ollie. It's not like the players are, you know, not playing for him and are unhappy here. They, they, they love Ollie. Now, Hater made some points in the comments before some of you guys were talking in the comments and, and keep them coming. We have so many. I'm going blind trying to keep up with you guys. I'm not good at multitasking. That's a problem. We're, um, men, we're men poorly. We're not meant to be good at multitasking. Right? I know, right? Yeah. I need to get the missus here to just do comments and stuff, to just read the comments and put them up. But And now I've, I've forgotten <laughs> Now I've forgotten my point, but um, I was talking. When about it comes to the when it comes to this to, to this new bump, yeah. As, as Hater was saying, like, do they have the um, the do they see Ali's tactical vision? And that's a that's a fair question. And but like when Pochettino comes in, what 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 will his tactical vision be in? And and what if he comes up and says, "I'm going to set you up at a four two three one," which is how he played at Tottenham? Will the players react by being by being like? Well, wait. This is the same thing, you know. Obviously, there are tweaks. You know, no, no two. You know, no four four. No two four four twos are the same, and no two four three threes are the same. There's, there's obviously differences in all of them. But will they react to that? Like, part of the thing is, um, every you know, part of what Poch did at at Tottenham was heavily relied on his fullbacks to bomb up and down the pitch, and. At United, what are what are the fans' biggest complaints? Oh, Shaw doesn't give you anything in the attacking third. Juan Basaka, not good enough in the attacking third. Okay, we have Tellez. He'll he'll be back next month. Okay, that solves the left side. Right side, not solved. Um, you know, so are are they all of a sudden going to become magically good? You hope so, but the thing about new manager bumps is they wear off and and you come, you re, you regress the mean, and like with Ali, the regression to the mean was extreme because the new manager bump was so extreme. Um, and the the thing is, so the thing is, 
uh, like as, as Hader is saying, you'll demand a, a director of football and that's fine. And that's good. We need that. Good. That doesn't change the financial situation. Like Joe, you said something last night on Red Devils talk about, we know that Pochettino is Woodward's no fancy. Uh, that's a terrible term. Fancy boy. We're all adults here. Let's just say he's his wet dream. Let's yes. He he's his wet dream. But so is Mourinho. Like this to say that he is his wet dream. So he's going to back you is so is Mourinho. And, and guess what? Mourinho got backed. He got back for two years. And then what happened? United were out of money. They could not spend money that year, which coincided with them qualifying for the champions league. And everybody got mad. And then they missed out on the champions league and Ollie got backed. And then the following year they, they qualified. And what happened then? United didn't have money again. Why? Because COVID's here. And like, we're not making money anymore. Like there is, we have a lot of outstanding expenses and typically your summer transfers, you're borrowing from expected profits or expected revenues, but we don't know what the expected revenues are. So if, if this, if, you know, when are fans coming back into the stands? So like in January, there will still not be money here. Like we did end up spending some money, uh, over the summer, we didn't have the 108 million to spend on Sancho, but to say, Oh, Poch will come in and in January, they'll be able to give him signings. They still don't have that money. And depending on when fans come back and when we're able to make money will depend on how much money he has to spend next summer. And so like the idea that he's just automatically going to be back, like, I don't think that that's necessarily true because the financial situation is the financial situation. It's not just a case of backing him either in the transfer market point. It, it's giving him wriggle room in the squad as well. There's no doubt like Ollie is going to want some players to lead the club because obviously some players just aren't going to suit his way of playing. We know he worked with a smaller squad at Tottenham. I think that tends to be his preference in a way. So again, that'll be another reason why he might want people to go out. Just on this sort of Ollie versus Poch and sort of tactics and things like that, that we've talked a lot about the right wing today, Paulie. Um, how, you know, we've, we've said that probably Ollie's the only way Ollie can seem to cover that black hole was by trying to sign someone. I mean, at the moment, the proof's in the pudding because he hasn't got someone there and we've struggled to cover that void. And you wonder if he'd have got Sancho, whether that would have made him look a better manager. If Pochettino comes in, does he. How does he paper that crack? Does he paper that crack by making the players better that he's got there? Do you think versus the uh, versus what we believe about Ollie, will it, or will he want to buy somebody to play that position? Do you think he'll look at Greenwood and think actually I can turn you into a more all-rounded right winger, or Rashford I can do that with you, or I can make Dan James better, or I can get Mata to play that role more effectively, or will he just be like Ollie and just think the only way I'm sorting this is by going into the transfer market? It's a good question. Uh, the answer is you hope that he can work with players like Palestri and Diallo when he comes um, and that they can develop very quickly because right now, like all you got in terms of a natural right winger is Dan James. And Dan James is just so bereft of confidence that he's he, you can't ask him to do anything right now. Um, but having that right winger, just it opens up different things. I mean, you, people keep saying like Juan Basaka looks, you know, Juan Basaka needs a better play, a better natural right winger 
to to be successful on that right side. Well, why do you think Solskjaer wanted a right winger as his number one priority this summer? Like he knew that. And if you if and because they failed to arrive, you're going to have the same issues now. And that that makes it tough. And and like so yeah, Poch is gonna have no choice but to make the players better. And what will he probably do? What he'll probably do is play exactly the same, like is do a similar system that he had at Spurs, which is on the right, he had a more natural right winger, but on the left, it was Christian Eriksen who played like Mata, cutting inside and then being a number 10. So that's probably his option. Like find somebody who plays on, you know, maybe maybe move Rashford to the right and and put a similar player like that, um, like Eriksen, on the, which would be Bruno or Van de Beek on the left, um, or do that from the right. And uh, we're, we're about to be we're running out of time here. Yeah. So I, I want to thank yeah. everybody for the, for their questions. This has been, this has been great. Let's, let's wrap it up with one, one more question. I'll give it to you, Joe, or I'll let you yeah. present it. Um, it'll be a nice quickie to, to wrap it up as we say goodbye. Paulie, why, you know, this is a perfect question for you, mate. You're so tactically aware. Paulie, why are United so slow at generating chances? Why, why is that, Paulie? I mean, I that was that came to light so much last night, didn't it? I mean, for, for all our dominance on the ball, for all the possession we had last night, we just never really worked their keeper enough. I think he had one save to make, and that was from a tame free kick from Bruno Fernandes. So, come on, Paulie, give us some numbers. Give us give us some tactical now. Why are we so slow at generating chances? It comes down to we're just slow, and it's because of the build-up, and, and it's because we don't make direct passes from midfield. That's what happens when it's McTominay and Fred. And... You know, when you when Liverpool used to not be able under Klopp, even when Klopp came in, they couldn't break down low blocks. And what you know, how do you do that? You have to move the ball quick from side to side so you can make the defense open up and you need to use width. But you also need to skip levels with the width. If if Rashford has the ball on the left side and he gives it to Shaw, who gives it back to uh McTominay, who then plays it square to Fred. And then Lindelof steps up from center back and he gives it to Lindelof. And then Lindelof gives it to Juan Basaka on the right. Yeah. The defense has all the time in the world to just shift over. That's where, so once Liverpool realized, all right, we need, we can't break down these blocks. What do we do? Well, that's when they said we need new fullbacks. And they went out and got Robertson and they promoted Trent Alexander Arnold. But what do those two players do better than anyone else? It's not just cross the ball, it's switch the ball from one of them to the other. Yeah. Alexander Arnold gets it and sends it down to the left flank to Robertson to run on it. And, you know, in that case, one touch from Robertson, one pass in, the defense is still moving across. If so, when you have McTominay and Fred, they love passing to the next, to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. Yeah. You need someone who skips those levels. And that's why, especially last year, we looked so much better with Pogba on the field because Pogba will make the long passes, which, which don't always work. In fact, most of the time they don't work. You're looking for the two times it does like against the team that's sitting deep. You shouldn't, you know, like Arsenal last week, you didn't have to worry about Arsenal scoring in a typical game like that. Or if they don't get the penalty, Arsenal are never scoring. You just need the two times that it does. And you score two goals and you win the game. And the other issue is the direct passing is when, when, when we are being slow in our buildup, we need to be better at 
getting the ball through the midfield. And I'm putting up right now, if you look at, if you're watching, you could see this. If you're listening, again, thank you for listening. And unfortunately, no visual aid here. But this is Anthony Martial's pass map from last night. And the middle third of the pitch is highlighted because there's a lot of backwards and square there. And that's not what we need. When you are drop, when you're playing against the false nine, you're dropping into space and you have your back to your defender. If I play the ball to you and you were first, if Matic plays the ball up to Martial and Martial's first touch, this happened right before the second goal, actually, and it was Rashford first touch pass back to Matic. What does that do? It doesn't do anything. Yeah, like instead, at a certain point when things aren't working, you need to hold the ball and you know, give, give Luke Shaw a second to make a run. You know, hold the ball up and then put your left foot through it and play it down into that channel. And it doesn't have to be an inch-perfect pass to Luke Shaw, it, you know, or to Rashford or whoever's making the run. You just need to get it in their area because that'll, even if the defense blocks it, that'll open, like, you know, now they have to think about it. They have to think that this is what's, um, you know, this might come and, oh, watch that run. But if, if you're never making those passes, then Rashford and Shaw can make those runs all day. I'm just going to let them go free because why should I waste my energy chasing them? The ball's never going to come. And if Martial loses the ball, okay, then you try to win it back. But like you still have Matic and last night it was Von de Beek. If it's Pogba or McTominay or Fred, you still have them behind you. So you're not, you're not exposed. So some, you know, at a certain point, your forwards need to be a little bit bolder when they're receiving the ball and say, it's okay if I lose the ball. It's, it's okay if we don't keep possession here because that's the risk I need to take so that I could create an opportunity. If you, it, otherwise, it just goes back to the Louis Van Gaal days. It's possession, 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 and it means nothing because you're not doing anything with it. No, totally agree. And look, people saying here, Paulie, we needed this. We like a Thiago. We needed a, a Zakaria, a Zakaria. You know, a hundred other players. You know, it does it does make you wonder if we'd have got our targets this year, whether we'd have been looking at a different manager in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But look, we we we're going over that. I mean, time. yeah, and I'll say this though, like, I don't know if I don't know if our target, like, why was the defensive midfielder never even like linked to it? Now, there's there's a lot more going on than what is linked in the media, but like, you would like to see something like, yeah. City apparently are what are ready to bid 40 million euros for Dennis Sakaria. If Dennis Sakaria is available for 40 million, what the hell? Well, not just us. Um, it's not even United. It's it's United. It's City. It's it's every team in the league that has a little bit of money or a little bit of you know is supposed to be at the top of Europe. What were you doing last year? Not going after him this summer. I mean, yeah, that's the key. Is we need a we need a player like that. In the midfield, Matic is, is just, he's too old and, you know, he's, something's wrong with him this year. He's, he's not been able to recover the form that he had at the end of last season. Uh, Pogba, defensively, he's becoming a bit of a liability. Bruno's been a defensive liability this year. Donny van de Beek last night could not stay in his position to save his life. Um, Fred McTominay uh, can't do the passing thing. Like we need someone that could sit and do the defensive work and also have that passing ability. 
I do think though, Portal, as much as we well, we always tend to go to the default is go to the board to blame when obviously we, we, we don't get certain players. But I'll be honest with you, and you know, I'm a fan of Ollie and I've supported him, but what I will say about him in a way is that he has been fiercely loyal to a lot of players. And I do think the the, the idea that they didn't think they needed a DM and they maybe the the idea that they probably didn't feel like they needed another centre back is for me as much Ollie's doing as the board. I don't think he's necessarily identified wanting them himself. He's not shown a great willingness to get those players. So that's a worry as well, to be fair, because I think anyone can see this team was crying out for a DM, someone like Zakaria, and also, you know, another centre-back as well. That's become evident. So we're just uh, here, we'll just put... Ada said because Holly thought Matic was still able to do it and he can't. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I, I think we got blinded a little bit, like you touched on there, with Matic's form towards the end of last season, didn't we, Paulie? And obviously this season he's not been able to repeat that, unfortunately. And there's been times when he's probably played in the game more than he should have, even already at this stage, and other players as well. Um, yeah. Lindelof's another one. I think he's looked at Lindelof and thought... Like a lot of us, we keep looking at Lindelof thinking he can do it. There's a player. I'm not, I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to give you my hot take for it. You're going to have to wait. We'll, we'll bring it to uh, another week where I will drop a scorching hot take as to who could play um, in holding midfield. Joe knows who I'm talking about. I did run it by the group this morning. They laughed at me. I ran it by some other people who are very smart, and they were like, "Huh, like." He's not ready to do it right now, but like it's not a bad thought. So I'm not as crazy as I think. But I will say this: uh, as to wrap up, thank you very much, everybody, for your questions. Um, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Uh, the United Happy Hour, the Elite Football Show. We are here every Tuesday and Thursday. We are having a blast doing this. We're gonna, you know, next week I'm sure in the international break there will be some ridiculous takes out there and stories in the inter in the internet world that we'll be able to make fun of. Um, I'm gonna wrap up with this uh, with Hater said wait, Hater's comment that Ollie thought Matic was still able to do it. That's fine for this year. I had no problem giving Matic a new contract. He earned it. And the problem was, why the hell did you give him a three-year contract? You should have given him a one-year contract. And you should have went out and signed a Dennis Zakaria so that if you think Matic can do it this year, Matic plays this year. Zakaria is your rotate option so that he can get time to settle in. And next year, he's ready to hit the ground running. We are seeing it now. Like, Why was Jack Grealish the number one target on the left or in midfield, he's played in the Premier League. Like all he's doing is adapting to a new team and not a new league. Donny van de Beek is still adapting to a new league. There's a bit of a learning curve there. Timo Werner and Kai Havertz have not hit the ground running like because they are adapting to a new league. So if you, get, if, if you're, if you think Matic, you know, and some players like hit the ground running, you know, Bruno Fernandes did, but most don't. Most take a little bit of time to adapt. And if you would have, if you think Matic can do it again this year, that's fine. And you give him a new contract, but then you send, you, you sign a young player so that you don't have to throw him to the wolves. And next year, um, next year, he is ready to go. Thank it's, you. It's a bloody in process, but hey, Paulie, it's what 
Alex Ferguson did so well. It's what Alex Ferguson did so well, bringing in the the replacement for players and and, and filtering so that it was just. And sometimes it didn't work. When these guys left, you won't realize when Matic left. You wouldn't realize when so and so left. You know. And it sometimes was, it didn't work. Like you know, he signed Anderson to be a midfielder of the future, yeah, and it was yeah. and he was great right away. He was good right away, but he never got better and might have gotten worse. You know, sometimes it it doesn't work, but that's fine. Thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate every comment. Like, subscribe. You could check us out on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. We're going to be on YouTube. We will see you next Tuesday. Have a great night. Uh, drink away your sorrows.